is up and welcome back to 24 minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lawhorn. This week on the pod, we are traveling out to the English countryside for our review of men. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Will it just be you staying or? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I, I, I'm joking. Oh. Oh. A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. That is, that's the logline for this movie. That is it. Um, and Ben, we have obviously both seen this movie. Yeah. I feel like that logline is very misleading and it is very misleading on purpose. Wouldn't you say so? Very much so. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I like, you know, I think the trailers didn't even really kind of tell a story. It's like, it's interesting mm-hmm. what, what everything gets pitched as, but yeah, this is a very vague and not super accurate blog line. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Uh, As per usual, there are spoilers ahead for the new A24 movie men. So if you haven't had the chance to check it out, go to your, your local cinema, go support a a local theater and go see it um, and see this A24 movie because it's, it's something, it's something special. It is, (laughs) it is, it is really something. So directed by Alex Garland, who has done things like Ex Machina and Annihilation. We will include him in our A1 act at the end of the show, so we'll, we'll dig in a little bit more to Alex Garland. Um, let's start this conversation off. We're going to do things a little differently tonight on the pod. Um, I want to know, just flat out, did you like this movie, Ben? I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been days, and it's like, I didn't dislike it by uh-huh. any means. Like, it, there's definitely a lot of stuff that I thought about throughout the whole thing. Um, but I mean, overall, I guess I'm, I'm positive on it. So I'm just trying to figure out like how and why, which can be kind of funny. We're like, I think, you know, I had an okay time, but why did I? Cause that movie was, wasn't really given good time vibes, you know, but it's like, yeah, yeah I think I was there for it. So, uh, yeah, overall, I guess I would say I was positive on it. Okay. And, and you would rewatch it maybe then in the future? Ooh, that's a different question. I don't know. I don't know. If <laughs> I know I that's a tough like, follow up. <laughs> I, I would just because, you know, with horror movies, I, I like to watch it the second time because I kind of know when the uh-huh. scares are going to come so I can focus on different things. So there's definitely aspects of this movie that I think I'd want to focus on again. So I'd, I'd probably give it a rewatch. Okay, awesome. I, I feel like I'm in very much the same boat as you. I liked it. I didn't love it. I'm still very like gray area trying to figure out what exactly I liked about it and what exactly I disliked about it. Um, this is, is a very divisive movie so far, kind of in the, um, like the film bro and the film Twitter kind of um, sphere of social media. And um, it says a lot about a lot of things, but it also doesn't really say anything about anything at all. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely would watch this again because I feel like knowing what the last 15 minutes entail and we're going to talk about that like right now um, because I feel like that's the big selling point of this movie. Knowing what they entail, I feel like I'd have a better grasp on maybe what I'm searching for thematically or tonally or what I'm trying to get out of the movie. The first time you watch it, you're just trying to to intake everything. 
right? Yeah. You're just trying to like let it wash over you. Um, one more question for you before we talk about the last 15 minutes of the movie, which is just fucking purely A24 <laughs> at its prime. Um, I am curious. I haven't really heard anybody say this on social media. It's been getting, you know, so-so reviews here and there. Did you think this movie was funny? Because I was dying. This movie was hilarious to me. I really enjoyed, uh, I think Gregory was like the main one that Rory, he's like the housekeeper or whatever. Yeah, like the innkeeper. The innkeeper dude. Um, and he had some funny, he had like my favorite line of the whole movie where he's like, oh yeah, the, the bar is just over that way. It's a 10 minute walk <laughs> yeah. there and it's a 30 minute walk back. Walk back. And I was like, oh man, that was like, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I guess the pub, not the bar. But yeah, that yeah. one, that line really got me. Um, yeah, I laughed more than I anticipated for sure. Yeah, same here. Um, I saw it with maybe 10 or 12 other people at kind of like an opening night situation. Not a very full theater, obviously. Um, and there was this one guy in our theater um, and he, he was just dying of laughter, like just very loudly laughing, which kind of broke the tension for a lot of us in the theater to be like, oh, nice. good. OK, yes, yeah. we can laugh and we can, you know, kind of not take it as um, maybe seriously as a lot of other people are taking it. Um, that moment for sure. And then there is a moment later on when they're um, when she is Jesse Buckley's character is actually in the pub and we see like four or five different versions of Rory Kinnear. Um, we get his innkeeper there as well. And, and I just remember like dying laughing at something he said. I don't know what it was, but a, a lot of the things that the innkeeper said had me just, just rolling. Um, what is this movie trying to say, man? I don't, I like, what's your take? Like, what do you, what do you think it's all about? Honestly, I feel like everything, like it's about so <laughs> many things and Alex Garland, I don't think he's like, I think he's on board with that too. I think he's very much like let the viewers interpret what it's about, you know, like, uh, you know, he's not necessarily trying to give like a specific message. There's different ways to interpret it, but yeah, I mean, I think given the last 15 minutes, a lot of that is just kind of how, you know, men are just kind of the same, you know, like, you no, know, like pass it on generationally and the patriarchy, mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. Um, I, yeah, I, I really don't know. There's just so many things you could take away from it. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think that's what I liked about it. I think that's why I would want to rewatch it. Cause I'm, like, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that I missed. Do you generally like in your movie watching experience, do you generally like movies that are more ambiguous ending or do you like things that are like more cut and dry? Cause this is very, very ambiguous of like, like you mentioned, Alex Garland's like, right, you just, you figure out what it meant to you. And we're all happy with that explanation. I think for me, like in the moment, most of the time I'm angry. So it's like, what, <laughs> you know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. and sometimes I stay that way. Like I do with Joker, you know, or it's just like, Oh, was it all had to bring the, Joker in? Yeah, was it all a it. dream? It was like Todd <laughs> Phillips, like, stop, man, stop doing this. Uh, but in this one, I think, you know, as it goes on, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, you know, a little more powerful. I guess that way to let people kind of figure out what they took away from this because it's a different viewing experience for everybody. Yeah. And I think I kind of liked that. I turned to a couple behind me after the movie ended. Um, and we were kind of just like trying to understand what we had just seen. Um, a lot of people had just like got up and left. And I think that was a lot of their, um, you know, a lot of people took it as like angry of like that, that I just don't get it. That makes no sense. I don't, I didn't see that coming. Uh, yeah. I didn't want that to be the ending, things like that. This couple stayed behind and I was like, Hey, can I like ask you real quick? Do, what did you guys like think of this movie? Um, and one of them, the, the guy was like, Oh, well, I knew it was Alex Garland, so it's exactly what I wanted. It is it was totally like 
off the radar, out of left field, super weird, big fan. And then he was like, yeah, and my, my partner here doesn't like it. I had no hmm. clue what was going on, had no idea what to expect. So I think it's very, um, very interesting in that, that ability. Um, I think one of the other big thematic tones is this kind of survivor's guilt that our main character hmm. in Jesse Buckley feels, um, how she kind of continues to let that hinder or hinge her, her life decisions that she makes while she's on this, on this vacation. Um, let's quickly talk about the last 15 minutes. So we are going to spoil the last 15 minutes of the movie. It's absolutely God shit bonkers. So yeah. if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, maybe fast forward just a few minutes here. Um, Rory Kinnear's character, basically. I, I mean, like, I don't even know how to describe this. I couldn't even think of this. If like in my wildest nightmares, he, yeah. he like, gives birth to a bunch of different versions of himself. Is that like the, the really high level to put this? Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. It's like, <laughs> just almost like respawning, but just by giving birth to himself. And then there's a different version of himself that comes out. And there's something that happens earlier in the movie, uh, you know, where the hand, you know, there's a, the cut in the yeah. hand. So that's like split, but like every rebirth, the hand stays the same. Like it's also mm -hmm. split. So you realize like, Oh, this is the same thing over and over it's not even necessarily trying to say that like the next generation or whatever, like this is just a different version of the same person. Um, yeah, it was like, I, I was like smiling, honestly, like by the end <laughs> of it, cause I was like this, I feel like that dude was just like, no, this is exactly what I am here yeah. for. Like, this is the weird stuff I want. I want to see, you know, this person giving birth out of like, uh, out of their vagina and <laughs> just like, on different parts of your body. Yeah. Just like random <laughs> different parts. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one time out of the dude's mouth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like there is so many, I think one time just like bust out of the back too. It's kind of yeah, it's dude. Kind of crazy. Um, so I was, I was here for it. I was like, this is fucking nuts. And I love it. Like yeah. I, you were totally right. We were just like, I've never seen anything like the last 15 minutes of this movie. And I don't know. I don't know who can say they have because this is mm -hmm. crazy. And I think it's also interesting. Like, I guess originally Alex Garland was just going to do like, kind of cgi transformations so almost like you know kind of like the michael jackson black or white video where it's just like changing faces oh. it, it, that's what it was going to be and then i don't know how but like came to this idea i was like oh this is so much more powerful than that because also like no real shade of this movie but the cgi wasn't anything to like brag right. about because i love the kid <laughs> like fucking weird you know like that yeah. was he looked really kind of strange so i i love the route that they ended up going with this yeah, I like that you brought up the CGI. I think I am completely sold on Rory Kinnear being all of these men except for those, this little boy. Yeah. Um, I, I understand why you have to have this in the movie. You have to have a gap between, um, you know, essentially this kind of Garden of Eden character where we get where he is. He is naked and he is kind of in this garden um, to all the other versions of himself. Right. You can't just like jump to something different. So yeah. I understand that. Um, I could have never ever guessed that this was going to be the ending and i think the more i think about it i think i like it more like i think mm -hmm. i start i start to think that i am understanding it more and then maybe i think about it too much and i'm like no i, I really don't understand <laughs> yeah. understand it at all um this there is a is a very uh, particular scene we'll talk about it in our true cinema here in just a second um where jesse buckley's character has a conversation with the vicar I'm mm -hmm. um, kind of at towards the end and he goes on this exceptionally um, very kind of scary, dark, demented yeah. monologue about the power of women. 
And now that I kind of process all of this, him, this, this kind of sameness of men through generations being born um, out of uh, essentially a vagina, out of a, you know, a woman's body part, it speaks to the power of, of what this movie is trying to tell you, right? That the, yeah. the power that a woman has um, and, and how that all connects. Um, I don't really know how it all connects. I'm just, I don't think anybody <laughs> really knows how it all connects. Um, but yeah, absolutely wild stuff. Um, let's, you want to go through true cinema? We'll just kind of talk through this movie. Yeah, let's dig in. Okay, cool. So we've, we've got the intro with the innkeeper in the house. I thought it was a great intro. I, I love, love, love this Rory Kinnear character. I yeah. think he is very good as the innkeeper. Um, thoughts on the intro? Did, did you, I mean, did you feel one way or the other? Was it, was it like engrossing enough for you to be like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm sold on what's going down. I liked it. I mean, the trailer hooked me and they use part of this in the trailer as well. Yeah. You know, especially when she eats the apple. He's like, no, 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 mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. You know, it's like, okay. So <laughs> yeah. in the And then he says, no, just kidding. Parallel. And yeah. it's like, oh, you guys. Exactly. So <laughs> I think that was part of the, you know, interpretation that kind of set up the Adam and Eve thing, like you said, with the naked character, which at first looked kind of like serpentine to me. Like, oh, that's like the <laughs> snake, whatever. But then by the end, almost becomes like the Green Knight. You know, it's kind of kind of yeah. nuts. But uh, I did. I really liked the the intro quite a bit. Yeah, I I thought it was a great intro. And re- truthfully, this movie can really be broken into three acts. I feel like you have this very specific first act where you um, understand what Jesse Buckley's character is kind of doing. Uh, Harper is her name. She's looking for solace. She's trying to become immersed in nature and wants to go on this trip. And it's really just kind of like setting the stage for everything yeah. around her. And then the second act is when when things start to get a little weird, get to get to, you know, a little off putting. Certain people start to show up and, you know, very like misogynistic comments start to be made of of like how men rule like everything that's around in this little city and the countryside. And then I guess you could say the final act is really like the final 20 minutes of, mm-hmm. of just like where things take that hard left turn um next you got her walking through nature like i mentioned like this very long 10 12 minute scene of jesse buckley just walking through nature i just wanted to shout this out because she's oscar nominated for a fucking reason and i feel Mm -hmm. like this is the reason right here we can watch her walk through a forest and hold our attention perfectly she doesn't say anything and i was totally sold yeah she was like yeah very engrossing uh, you know, the, the, just the little things she does without talking. I mean, I think about that through this movie too. It's like, man, this script, you know, the average script length is one page for every minute of screen time. Mm. And, you know, this movie is what, two, yeah, hour 40. So a hundred minutes. I feel like this script is like 40 pages long. Cause there's a mm-hmm. lot of like, not necessarily silent, but you know, without dialogue kind of moments in here. And this is like one of the more powerful ones because she's, you know, it starts to, um, like rain and the thunder and she's kind of reacting to that. And then obviously that whole um, abandoned cave, you know, railway line thing was awesome. It was so cool what they did with the sound production there. Yeah. I was going to call it the sound production too, because um, the, that kind of like sound that she makes in this tunnel comes back later in the movie um, as kind of like part of the score, which I thought was a really smart thing to do. Um, and then things start to get weird. You get this naked guy at the farm, uh, follows her back to her place, a very Garden of Eden situation here. She calls the police. There is one woman police officer, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Um, but as far as I remember, this police officer kind of dismisses her and is like, 
it's cool. Don't worry about it. And then like disappears. We never see another woman again. Um, and then the, the conversation with the child and the vicar, I, I want to hold on this for a moment. You mentioned the child looks super weird. And I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that they had him wearing a mask. I felt like that was way better. Yeah. Uh, honestly. Um, and he goes off on her, which was wild. And this scene really starts the setup for the back half of the movie of how Jesse Buckley's character, no matter how honest or true she is to herself or to those around her, um, this vicar essentially is like, it was your fault, wasn't it? Like, you think you drove him to it? And, dude, that caught me off guard for sure. Well, it's funny because it's like, not funny, but it's like, it's the second half of his conversation because the first half, he's kind of supportive. Like the things that we're hearing from him, he's like, oh, that must be really hard you know, dealing with this grief and all that kind of stuff. And like, oh, this guy's empathizing with her. And then he's just like, what do you think made him do it? Like, what did you do that made him do this? She's like, what? You know, so it's like, he's, he's like, yeah, no, well, I mean, you're responsible. Like you can feel grief, but you're also, you're the one that did this. Uh, and that, that's just like, so kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, I feel like his hand lingers on her leg mm-hmm. a little too long, you know, like that was <laughs> uncomfortable too. Um, and it's kind of interesting though. Cause like a lot of this, you know, with the vicar and all these people, like the, the kids like, like, Oh, like, fuck you, you bitch. Like you're going to play with me. Cause he wanted to play hide and seek, you know? Yeah. And I think it's that kind of a thing. It's another like mere reflection of how women obviously get treated quite a bit by guys because you know, a guy will just be like, Oh, I want you to go out with me. She's like, Oh, I don't really want you. She's like, Oh, well, fuck you. You're not going to go, you know, like mm-hmm. they just get angry thinking they're entitled to something. And I think that was just one of the many versions of that throughout this movie. So it's kind of interesting to like have that in place of like a, a 12, like or portrayed by like the 12 year old. Yeah. The, the Vicar is super creepy in this movie. Just like way, way, way creepy. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the bar scene with the innkeeper, the barkeep, the policeman, a couple other guys hanging around. This is really like the penultimate scene where we get to see Rory Kinnear be a lot of different people. Um, the policeman says a couple, you know, very in line with what this Vicar ends up saying of like, oh, like we couldn't charge him with any, we couldn't hold him. We know yeah. like you're scared. We know your safety is endangered, but what do you want me to do about it? And it's like, again, that, that very entitled feeling. Um, so she then skipping ahead. I, I do want to mention the flashbacks real quick. What yeah. did you think of the flashbacks that we get to her relationship with James, with her husband? And she's trying to go through with this divorce and it's obviously a, a pretty abusive relationship at this point in time. And then he does um, either trip or jump to his own peril. She, he, he fucking hits her and she loses his, her shit on him, obviously. Um, mm. I liked this flashback. I thought it was really important to understanding where she's coming from as a character. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And the way that it gets broken up throughout the movie, because I feel like it's almost in four different sections. Mm. You know, we see like the original fight and then we see where he hits her and then, you know, but also like the flashbacks have almost like flash forwards in them where we see him fall. But then it flashbacks to the fight like it's really well done and it kind of helps us understand, I guess, what she's going through in that moment. And obviously the way the body's like mutilated when she sees it, that's exactly how, you know, the bodies end up at the end. So it's kind of uh, an interesting parallel there. Right. And I feel like that's why we kind of have this through line of this survivor's guilt, right? She is constantly influenced by what she saw in her husband. And um, I think it's a curious case of 
how guilty she really does feel. Does she mm-hmm. think it was caused by her or does she um, have the ability to know that it wasn't? Um, again, like, I just think it's a way deeper character study than people or we think it really is. Um, she gets attacked by this Green Knight looking bloke, which is really crazy and weird. Um, you mentioned slicing the hand in the letterbox. Bro, I was real I was like, I threw my hands up and I was like, nope, fuck this. I'm out. Like this was too crazy for me. Once it's like she put the knife <laughs> through the hand yeah. like, or through the arm, I was like, oh man, that that's crazy. And then he starts to like pull his arm <laughs> out through it. And at first I was like, oh, I can't watch this. And then I just like was so focused on it. I was like, this is amazing <laughs> that they're pulling this off. And he's like, you know, the last time you've seen anything like this was like 127 hours when he has to like cut yeah. off his own arm. And we're just watching this happen. But the way it like plays into it later on, you know, like one of my favorite shots of the whole thing is like we're behind her and we see like the two sides of his hand like go up around oh, her neck. You know? yeah, and I was like, oh dude. my God. Like in the rest <laughs> of the movie, she has like this blood, almost like necklace kind of thing, you know? Oh, oh man. Like I just thought it was so cool. I loved it. Some really f- fucking crazy body horror in yeah. this movie, uh, which, Hey, if you like body horror, this, this would be worth a watch just, for just sure. for that. For sure. I mentioned the conversation with the Vicar about like kind of the, the power that she possesses. She ends up stabbing him um, then we get this car chase and we're kind of off to the races in the final 15 or 20, 15 minutes here. Um, the car chase and the birth of all these different men. And then something that I wanted your take on because her friend finally gets there at the end. This is kind of, um, all of this takes place while she's waiting for her friend to finally come, uh, essentially to her rescue. She's waiting in the garden, the garden, the morning after all of these events transpire. She has like survived what is either real or not real uh i I always gotta ask the quiet you always gotta throw it out with a24 you never know um and her friend gets there and they both smile at each other i noticed her friend was pregnant did you notice this yeah yeah Um, definitely which was kind of interesting considering what had just transpired for the last 15 minutes right um it means something i don't know what it means but i know it means something (laughs) i mean i just you know i think there's it depends on how you want to take the movie but it's just like you know things will continue to go on life goes on no matter mm. like what you have to put up with, you know, they're going to, you know, be a lot of the same people that you interact with some great, some not, but through everything, no matter what you go through, like life is just going to go on. It's kind of just how I took it. You know, she survived this thing, but it's just like, it doesn't, we're just got to keep going. It's the next day, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of how I interpreted it. That's, it's genius. That's film critic status, Ben. That's really good stuff, honestly. Get me certified. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what's your true cinema moment with you? What do you what are you picking here? Um because I don't know. I gotta vamp for a minute. So you you choose first. I'm ready. I mean, I just talked about it, but that slice in the hand of the letterbox <laughs> is something I am never going to forget ever. Like for me, that was almost like that's basically on par with the last 15 minutes with the like all the birth stuff. Like the visual of that and that whole sequence is just going to be in my brain. And that's such a creepy scene too, because like that's when, you know, the cops out there under the tree and like the lights flash, like Alex Garland does so much cool horror stuff in this, just with practical effects of like turning off lights and everything, you know, it's just like, it's kind of crazy. So the cops there, the cops gone, all of a sudden it's the naked guy and she does like kind of freaking out. And all of a sudden like one of the kind of a douchier looking guys from the pub, starts running at her and she runs inside and just yelling like, why are you doing this? Like that, that whole sequence there was the most tense I felt throughout the entire movie. It was like, Oh my God, like what's happening here? It was just Mm -hmm. intense. And then for it to end with that, with this guy like reaching his hand through 
you know, like the letterboxing and her just using that knife to stab. It. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I love it. I love Jesse Buckley in that scene, especially when she's holding that knife and trying yelling and trying to figure out what is actually going on. Um, and I think too, this is um really an interesting moment in the movie because you get this kind of like horror with these flashing lights and people showing up and things really start to go off the rails. But then our innkeeper, Joffrey, shows up again mm -hmm. and is like, oh, nothing to worry about. Power just went out. It's cool. Um, and so like this idea of men all being the same, but then having this savior complex of of women when they either need it or do not. Um, yeah. And there's always someone there to exemplify that is is really um, again, like just part of the, the more broad scope of what this movie is trying to say. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I've, I mean, I gotta go with the, the with all the births, man. I just yeah. can't, it's, it's going to be fried in my brain forever. Yeah. And like when, when the embargo lifted on this, like a week before it came out or whatever, and people are like, I've seen it. And there are moments in this movie you will never, ever forget. And I was like, okay, like what could it really be? Like, are yeah. you, you're just like pull, pulling my chain or like what's going on? Um, and no, it, it, regardless if you like this movie or do not like this movie, you will remember this movie no matter what. Yeah. And that's not like hyperbole. I feel like you just, <laughs> you're gonna remember, remember some of the visuals from this movie. And also just interesting that, you know, like she at the bar, like, and never throughout the whole movie acknowledges that all these guys look the same. And which is yeah. more of like the, is this a dream or is this real kind of thing? Because that never once gets mentioned, even when she talks to her friend or anything, you know, it's like, oh, so she never addresses this at all. So what, why is this happening? I look, I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy that says like it was all in her head. But it, I mean, the way that the movie ends, you said like life goes on. She's just sitting there in the garden, just like chilling out. She obviously just went through this very traumatic experience that she feels a lot of guilt for, um, survivor's guilt or not. It it's it's always possible that this was something that kind of transpired in her head and what what she created in her own world. Um, the crow obviously kind of like um, yeah. you know um, doesn't support that theory. I think that's a very real thing that that does end up happening. Um, but nonetheless. I think it's very interesting. This movie is very full. I think it's trying to say a lot of really um, heavy thematic and tonal elements, and it doesn't hit them on the head all that well sometimes, but it's a, a wonderful two-hander, and I think this movie is only going to age well. I think it's only going to kind of garner more respect as A24's like, filmography continues to build. Uh, I don't think people respect it for what it is right now, uh, myself included. And I, I think it's just going to get better with time. Um, yeah. You want to talk A1X? Let's do it. All right. Obviously, we got Alex Garland. Like I mentioned, Ex Machina, Annihilation, We Have Men. He was a writer on Sunshine, 28 Days Later, and Never Let Me Go. And he did the TV show Devs. Um, I've only seen Men and Ex Machina. I still think Ex Machina is kind of his his masterpiece. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are gonna, going to go to continue to say that the one thing i will say is that ex machina annihilation and men he has this very interesting uh, not only fascination and commentary on women in society which it continues to play throughout all three of those films but the relationship between nature and technology um and how 
there is essentially zero tech in men. There's a cell phone at one point, and Ex Machina takes place um, inside a you know a very tech IA center or AI centered um, you know house, but it's completely surrounded by nature. Um, so I think those are just interesting uh, through lines in all of his projects. I'm going with Ex Machina though. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. Um, I've seen yeah Ex Machina Annihilation of Men. Uh, never let me go. I saw, um, and 28 days later, which is like a really, really good movie. Um, that'd probably be one of my highest suggestions to people. Uh, I'm also going to go with Ex Machina. It's hard to, to beat that. I mean, dancing Oscar Isaac, I don't know <laughs> what's going to beat that. Nothing will ever beat that. That's the thing. That's yeah, not even the- 10 men giving birth to themselves. <laughs> like I just, I'm still going to take dancing Oscar Isaac every day, every day and twice on Sundays. Uh, we got Jesse Buckley here loved loved jesse buckley in this movie we've got her in the tempest beast wild rose chernobyl which i've seen chernobyl and i loved chernobyl and somehow i forgot she was in this miniseries um so that's incredible i'm thinking of ending things uh the lost daughter and men what do you got uh i mean i've only seen her two things the lost daughter and this Mm, Uh, i really like her in the lost daughter uh playing like a younger version of the olivia coleman character um, but men just, I think, gives her a little bit more to do. So it's hard not to pick this one. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen her in Chernobyl. I've seen her in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, The Lost Daughter, and Men. She is really good in I'm Thinking of Ending Things um, uh, against uh, Jesse Plemons. They, mm-hmm. they are both very good, uh, kind of support each other really well. I'm going to go with this, though, because I think, like you mentioned, it, it gives her more to do. I think that she gets to really display how great of an actor she is in this movie. Um, Dialogue or not, action or not, those types of things. Rory Kinnear is like seven different people in this movie. So So he's got to be on the A1 act. Um, The imitation game, Penny Dreadful. He's Tanner in the 007 franchise. Uh, Get that check. Do your thing, Rory Kinnear. And our flag means death. Um, I have only seen him in the 007 franchise and this movie, he is fantastic in men so i'm going with that yeah uh, i mean i don't think that's a, a wrong choice i've seen him in more than i expected like imitation game and i guess the 007s i don't remember him in either of those things uh he's really really <laughs> good in this it's it's gotta go with this one just because of all the performances he's able to give but i do remember the main thing i have seen him in is uh is an episode of black mirror called the national yeah. anthem yeah i don't know if you've seen that episode or not where he plays the prime minister is uh, that the that's the the episode where they the fuck a pig? Pig, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his, that's like his one daughter two is ob- kidnapped. Yep. And in order for, to release the daughter, he has to go on national television and fuck a pig. And it's <laughs> that whole dilemma, and it's it's amazing. He's great in that in that role. I I've seen that. That's like one of three episodes of Black Mirror I've ever seen. Um, I saw it a long time ago, so I didn't know that was him at the at the moment. Um, I yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um. And then the last A1 act we're going to tackle is Vacation's Gone Wrong. We have already done actors playing multiple roles in the same movie. We tackled that with Enemy. So go back, check out our review of Enemy. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal does that with a couple characters in that movie. Um, Vacation's Gone Wrong. I feel like this is a pretty lengthy list here. Yeah. Um, obviously, Men, she, she's just headed out to the countryside and things go terribly awry. We've got The Hangover, National Lampoon's Vacation, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Due Date, The River Wild, Jurassic Park, Breakdown, The Vanishing, Deliverance, Thelma and Louise, Midsommar, 
The Great Outdoors, Jaws, 127 Hours, which you mentioned, and Cabin in the Woods. And that's really just a short list. Oh, yeah. Do you have anything not on the list that you're going to whip out? No, my uh, surprise one, I think, was the Rory Kinnear. Uh, this one, if I see Jaws on a list, I have to go with it. It's just like <laughs> one of the greatest movies of all time, probably my top five of all time. Um, but, you know, we, t- we talked about my Rushmore Mountain. I got to shout out Midsommar because it's also like one of my four favorite A24 movies. So, but honestly, like so many good things on this list. If you haven't seen The River Wild, Meryl Streep's a fucking badass in it. So go watch <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a banger list, honestly. Um, hard not to pick The Hangover. I feel like The Hangover was a very formative comedy when I was like watching movies as a kid, as a teenager growing up. Like that was the, the, the quoted that and Step Brothers, right? Like that, those were the quotables when I was in high school. Um, but I actually think I'm going to go with Jurassic Park, man. I, I, I've been on a Jurassic Park, uh, wave recently. I think it still holds up just immaculately well for what it is. And, um, I mean, that's the ultimate vacation gone, gone wrong, right? Yeah. Dinosaurs. That's, yeah. I don't, I mean, she got sharks and jaws, so we got animals, but I think animals are the ultimate, uh, kind of telltale sign of your vacation has gone wrong. If yeah, you have fighting, bad killing animals, <laughs> you're fighting for your life against an animal. This is not a good <laughs> vacation. Exactly. That's how, you know, um, Okay, let's rank this movie, and then and then we'll get out of here, man. We've got our first cow, our good time, and our farewell uh, tears here. This is tough. Yeah. I, I, again, I still don't know where I stand. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd because I'm still, like, in the middle. I still don't know how I feel. I, I feel like you have your mind made up, though. I think it's, for me, it's got to be a good time um, because it, it's not, bad enough for me to be a farewell like I, I like i said at the top of the episode like i want to rewatch it and i have never felt that way about any of the movies i've given a farewell before so i think just on that yeah. alone like i can't i can't dismiss it i i would recommend it to people but with a lot of you know kind of just like <laughs> the heads up you know on what to expect uh yeah i'm gonna go with a good time what about you yeah, you know, I agree with you. I'm also going to go with a good time. I think it's a um, very well done in the first two acts. I think it's kind of its own movie in that first kind of hour 20. Uh, that is actually really, really good and, and engrossing and tells a great character study. And then obviously you get the last 20 minutes, which go off the rails in the best and the worst of ways. Uh, it kind of detaches from what the movie has led up to to that point. But I think it's memorable. I think it's something that'll stick with you. I think when you... Talk about A24. I mean, I feel like this is going to be kind of one of the more underrated, like A24 premier brand movies, right? Shit goes sideways in the last 15 minutes. That's what A24 is kind of known for. That's Uncut Gems. That's Midsommar. That's Hereditary. That's all of these big ones that A24 has kind of garnered the most interest for. It's because of this. Um, It's got a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes from the audience and a 74% certified fresh from critics. So mm. huge disparity there, which makes sense. I'm definitely going to revisit it. I will yeah. definitely buy whatever collector's edition comes out on a24.com. Um, I think this will be something that is really kind of like riding the line of like, this is a pretty cool horror and just like a normal movie or like, let's get really film bro about this and pick it apart and try to decipher Things we don't understand because we're all white guys, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting, but it's a good time for me. 
Yeah, I, I would go with that as well. There is so much to dissect with this, uh, even along the conversation of like who gets to tell what stories, like as a yep. white cis male, like is it your <laughs> place to tell like a, a female based horror movie, you know? And they're like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. But like you said, just like A24, it's also a very Alex Garland move to just go off the rails in the last 15 minutes in all of his movies. So uh, yeah, this was no exception. And we want to know what you guys thought about men. Like, yeah, we honestly, I'm really curious to hear people <laughs> think about it because yeah. it is never going to leave my brain. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram at 24 minutes of a 24. I am Ben Lahore. And I am Ethan Simmy. Spring break forever, bitches. Bitches.